Hi, I'm Ken Kessler, and welcome to the Sounds of Christmas podcast. Just so there are no misunderstandings, there won't be any music played here. This is a place for conversation. I'll talk about Christmas music and some related topics, sometimes by myself and sometimes with guests. But if you're looking for music, just go to soundsofchristmas.com and click on the tree or the player on the front page or on the Listen Now page. We play the best variety of Christmas music all year long. Well, except in October when we play the best variety of Halloween music. Yes, we're on all year long. And outside of October, we play the best variety of Christmas music around the clock. So if you like Christmas music, and odds are that you do since you're listening to this podcast at what is mostly accepted as a non-Christmas time of year, you might be wondering how we keep it fresh day after week after month all year long. Well, let's start with the season. The Sounds of Christmas views the traditional Christmas season as November 1st to January 6th. That's when the most people are listening and is generally accepted as the Christmas season, though admittedly your mileage may vary. During that time, I'm continuously adding new music. I added around 500 new songs to our library in 2020. I was able to add some of those before the season started, like Dolly Parton, Carrie Underwood, and the Goo Goo Dolls. In fact, I added quite a lot while we were playing Halloween songs in October. But some new Christmas releases weren't out before November 1st, meaning the songs either weren't available for airplay or, in some cases, weren't even finished yet. And others, mostly singles, were surprises, which I'll get to in a moment. Either way, new music was continually added to our library and to our daily on-air programming almost every single day of the season. For the off-season, from January 7th through September 30th, I'm not really adding any new music. I still have about 100 songs from 2020 to go through and decide if they'll be added or not, but none of those will probably be on the air until I program them in with the rest of our library for the new season. I know to never say never, so it's possible some of those will get played in the coming months, but it's not likely. That said, there are a lot of other songs that I just didn't get to play this year. I play between five and 600 songs every day during the season, but I just can't play everything in our library every year in November and December. So between January 7th and the end of September, I schedule in hundreds of those songs that I didn't get to play during the past season. So anytime you're in need of a little Christmas spirit and you turn on the sounds of Christmas, you'll probably get to hear some songs that you wouldn't have heard this past November and December mixed right in with all of your favorites. You will never hear the same songs over and over, day in and day out. I know I wouldn't want to listen to that, and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't either. The other thing I do to keep it fresh during the off-season is I keep it commercial-free. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but traditional radio plays a lot of commercials. They have a lot of bills to pay, so I get that, but it's also the kind of thing that makes me not want to listen. And every day, it seems like their commercial breaks get longer and longer and longer. The Sounds of Christmas is commercial-free from January through October. Don't get me wrong, I love all of our sponsors from this past year and all the years before. And I am beyond grateful to them for helping us get on the air and stay on the air. I keep up with those singers and bands as best I can, and I promote what they're up to 
on our social media accounts from time to time, but I keep the commercials off the air during this time of year. To be honest, I also keep it to a minimum in November and December with only two or three ads running in any given hour. And those are usually split up so you don't have to listen to a long block of commercials before the music starts again. So if you tune into the Sounds of Christmas today or tomorrow or next week or next month or the month after that, etc., etc., all the way through September, you'll just get the best variety of Christmas music, period. That's how I keep the Sounds of Christmas fresh for listeners. I also try to keep it fresh for me. One of the things that helps keep the Sounds of Christmas fresh for me is the discovery of surprise releases. I consider myself pretty good at keeping my finger on the pulse of new Christmas music. That's not to say or even suggest that I'm a genius and that I know everything. I've just managed to find lots of friends that run different kinds of Christmas websites and social media pages, and they have a real talent for finding out what new Christmas music is on the way. Even so, there are still surprises. Usually, it's a single or an EP that no one seemed to know was coming. We all knew that there were Christmas albums coming from Dolly Parton, Carrie Underwood, and the Goo Goo Dolls last fall. But it was a surprise to find new singles from Alanis Morissette, Hootie and the Blowfish, and Gwen Stefani, among others. There were also unexpected EPs from Maddie Poppy and John Bon Jovi. Personally, I think this is one of the things that makes running the sounds of Christmas a lot of fun. I love coming across something new and unexpected and then sharing it with others who may also love coming across something new and unexpected. One of the things I really love about surprise releases is that, for the most part, the artists do it for the fans. When you release a single, or for that matter, an EP or even an entire album, and there's no advance warning, no promotion, it's hard to realistically expect a lot of sales. Add to that the fact that this happens during the Christmas season, with something that, for the most part, there will only be interest in during that short season, sales are likely to be very, very small. So when a rock star like Nick Lowe releases a couple of Christmas songs on Bandcamp, those are for the fans, for people who like him and Christmas music. And I just think that's pretty cool. It happens year after year, especially since technology has made it so much easier for singers and bands to record at their home studio and release music from there as well. Last year, we got surprise singles from Kristen Chenoweth, Alicia Keys, and Cheap Trick, among others. We even got a surprise EP from Brian Adams and an album from Edwin McCain. And I can still remember in 2018 when I woke up one morning to find that Eric Clapton had released a Christmas album. There are a couple other kinds of surprises that I've come across that I think are pretty cool too, like fan club releases. I think it was around 1980 when I first found out there were special Christmas records that the Beatles had made just for their fans. These weren't songs, they were messages, often pretty silly, but sometimes sincere, and they contained thank yous for buying their stuff and hopes for a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I don't know if the Beatles were the first to do that, but they certainly weren't the last. And I found out that they did it about 10 years after they'd broken up. So it was a surprise to me. What I've discovered is that since I pay so much attention to Christmas music, many of the things I'm surprised about, things that I didn't even know existed, are also surprises to others who don't spend the kind of time that I do looking for these things. 
In the 1980s, the Eurythmics sent their fan club members Christmas records. In that same decade, Huey Lewis and the News sent their fan club members a green cassette tape with their version of Winter Wonderland and We Wish You a Merry Christmas on it. In the 90s, Bare Naked Ladies routinely sent their fan club members music. This included a version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen that's a little different than the one they later recorded with Sarah McLaughlin. Speaking of Sarah McLaughlin, she also sent, and probably still sends, special releases to her fans. I still have one from the 90s before she'd recorded either of her Christmas albums that includes a beautiful version of Silent Night. And again, in the 90s, and then into the next decade, Pearl Jam sent their fan club members what they called holiday singles. These included Christmas songs as well as rare performances and messages. And last year, Pearl Jam surprised everybody by releasing all of those holiday singles to streaming music services. In the 80s and 90s and into the first decade of the 21st century, REM sent their fan club members holiday singles. Some of those were actual Christmas songs. They did covers of Silver Bells, Merry Christmas, Everybody, and Christmas Baby, Please Come Home, just to name a few. Others were rare performances, some rehearsal and some live and some just for fun. I'm sure there are many others, but for those who aren't members of those particular fan clubs, some of those secret Christmas songs are a nice surprise. Lastly, no matter how much time I spend searching and researching artists and Christmas music, I always seem to come across a surprise from years ago, something that somehow had completely escaped my notice at the time and for many years after. The most recent example of that for me is from the Starland Vocal Band. In 1976, the Starland Vocal Band had one of the biggest hits of the year, Afternoon Delight. It hit number one in the U.S. and Canada and was a top 10 hit in Australia and New Zealand. They won the Grammy for Best New Artist the following year, and Afternoon Delight won a Grammy for Best Arrangement for Voices. On the strength of this one huge hit, they got a variety show on CBS in the summer of 1977. By the way, David Letterman was a writer for that show, and he even appeared in some episodes. So they were kind of a big deal. And then nothing happened. They didn't have another top 40 hit. It wasn't for lack of trying. They released follow-up albums in 1977, 1978, and early in 1980. And then, near the end of 1980, they released their last album, Christmas at Home. The Starland Vocal Band had released a Christmas album in 1980. I only found out about it last month. Now, it's not like this was an amazing record, and it doesn't seem like a lot of effort went into it. Of the 14 songs on it, 10 are under two minutes. Three are less than 60 seconds, including their take on the 12 days of Christmas, which was just the two days of Christmas, and it clocks in at just under 40 seconds. This album doesn't break any new ground, and there weren't any singles. There's nothing particularly original about it. There isn't even anything particularly Starland vocal bandy about it, but it existed. The Grammy-winning band that had one of the biggest songs of 1976 released a Christmas album a few years after their debut, and I was surprised to find out it even existed until over 40 years later. Before you ask, yes, I did add some of their songs to our library, and I'll probably slip one in here and there for my own amusement. 
I hope this all adds to your enjoyment of the station, and I hope you continue to listen to the sounds of Christmas every time you need some musical Christmas spirit, no matter when that is, except for October. This podcast is continuing to grow, and we're popping up on more and more podcasting sites. We're also available through Amazon's Alexa, so you can ask for the Sounds of Christmas podcast on the Echo and Amazon's other devices. You can also now find the Sounds of Christmas podcast on christmaspodcasts.com and mymerrychristmas.com. For the Sounds of Christmas station to listen to the music, you'll need to stick with our website or our app in the Google Play Store. In the meantime, thank you for listening. If you have comments or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me on social media, facebook.com slash socmusic or at socmusic on Twitter. Thanks again, and may you always believe in Santa Claus.